We're talking today with Santosh Nandabalan, who is a senior New York organizer for Food and Water Watch. And we've had Food and Water Watch on many times to talk about various uh, climate issues, but sometimes uh, other environmental matters. So, um, uh, Santosh, why don't you just start off maybe a little bit? What do you do for Food and Water Watch? And, and you know, why are you a climate activist? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, um, I've I've been doing climate activism for seven years now, for a while. Um, I got into activism really by accident. Uh, you know, I just happened to be at home when a canvasser knocked on my door. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know anything about fracking. I didn't really have a concept of of the modern day environmental movement. Um, but I, I thought this was like a really cool experience. You know, I learned about fracking. I helped with the campaign and I saw that that was a job. Um, so I tried canvassing myself and that was really, really going door to door. Having those conversations got me engaged in in a political process that I didn't even really know uh, was happening around me. Um, so I, I became an, an activist because someone knocked my door. Um, well, uh, I, I mean, I actually was a door-to-door canvasser back in 1985. Spent nice. the summer in Connecticut, door knocking as canvasser, raising money on the bottle bill. I was not very good at it. I'm a really good door knocker, but not a good fundraiser. So um, glad you have stayed with it. Yeah, it's all about confidence. But uh, I'm glad that there's like a pipeline of canvassers to now full-time activists. Um it's a really important skill and it's a really important way to build a movement. So uh, what what have you been doing for Food and Water Watch? Well, we've had a lot going on, right? We just had a, an election that really shaped a lot of what our work was. Um, at the state level, um, we are working on really pressuring the governor on uh, implementing and even strengthening uh, our, our state's climate law. So the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Um, and this this last legislative session uh, was not the best for for climate activists. We saw really two climate bills, um, which are really the floor of what we should be passing, uh, get through to Governor Hochul's desk. So that's a bill um, she needs to sign to get the cumulative impact study um, here in New York for um, environmental justice communities, as well as the crypto uh, currency more uh, mining moratorium which is a two-year stop ban on mining for cryptocurrency with frack gas facilities in New York State. Um, So we've we've done a lot to build up those campaigns. We're also working on campaigns to uh, get us closer to public powers, so pass the Build Public Renewables Act, um, and very importantly, uh, when building electrification. So that's getting... Uh, gas hookups out of new buildings starting 2024 for small buildings, 2027 for buildings uh, seven stories or higher, um, and moving them to renewable energy, to uh, energy efficiency measures, especially heat pumps. Um, those are really strong legislative measures. We need to get get to Governor Hochul and have her sign um, if we're going to win, uh, basically uphold uh, the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. So there's been a lot of yelling at politicians, a lot of lobbying, a lot of getting constituents uh, engaged, um, pressuring their own elected officials uh, to then go to the governor to to get these initiatives done. So we've done that at the state level. We've well, done. If I, if I could jump in here just a second, 
on on the cumulative impact bill, which is really important. The idea is say you're going to, you know, want to get a permit to do a factory or some type of power plant, uh, particularly in a low income community, community of color. You if the bill is signed into the law by the the governor, not only would you look at the emissions from this particular plant, but you would look at all the other emissions that's already coming about because you know adding pollution into a neighbor that's already polluted is a really bad idea but that tends to be what happens but the question i had on the the cryptocurrency i believe it's called you know it's called proof of work we use all these computers to solve mathematical equations particularly to get bitcoin but the cryptocurrency i guess one of the big brokers just completely collapsed and bitcoin value has gone down more than 50 percent since uh, november is there a much future for the cryptocurrency and how's that impacting upon the issue and, and why are you guys so concerned about cryptocurrency yeah i mean look the viability of cryptocurrency on its own is is that comes into question and, and that, but what you're citing the recent news i i don't really know if, if cryptocurrency is a, a real thing we should be investing in in the future but we certainly shouldn't be investing in it in a way that uh burns more gas and destroys our environment. Uh, we are incredibly concerned. Right now, we are, there's, there was a recent approval for permits of the Forrester plant, um, denial of permits for the Greenwich plant. So these are power plants that run solely to, to mine cryptocurrency. It's not for electricity. It's not for heat for homes. Um, and we're burning gas for, for, for a fake, for essentially a, a digital currency that it's we don't really know what impact it's going to have long term uh for us it's it's truly an environmental issue um we simply cannot build out more fossil fuel infrastructure we can't do it under this guise either um it's really that point in blank for us that this has been kind of the case for all fossil fuel plants uh you know we've fought the dance camera plant the astoria the guanas plant recently those are big victories we simply can't afford any more fossil fuel infrastructure and i think um, this bill, which is now sitting on Governor Hopel's desk, uh, needs to get signed immediately um, to make sure that we can study the impacts that we have on that mining for cryptocurrency has. And then if, if they're not good, we put an end to it. Um, so that's really what's on the table now. And what we, we are worried that um, if it doesn't happen sooner than later, we're going to get to a point of no return. Now, I need one of the additional problems, like some of these plants, the, the amount of Carbon emissions that are now attributable to these proof of work cryptocurrency mining operations is greater than like countries like New Zealand and and Argentina, and 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 what has been happening is that because they use so much electricity because they're running thousands and thousands of computers in order to you know solve the mathematical equation which creates Bitcoin faster than anybody else so they can get the tens of thousand dollars from the Bitcoin. Uh, they've actually been beginning to look at, well, you know, it'd be cheaper if we just bought off some of these old power plants that were shut down usually because they were too polluting and run them ourselves directly. And that way we reduce our utility bill. And I guess that's one of the reasons why, you know, cryptocurrency has been become so controversial. What's holding up, you know, Governor Hochul? I saw before the primary that I'm sorry, before the, I think it was before, but before the general election, that climate was the second most important issue for among Democrats, or actually tied with abortion. Yep. And in the general election, the exit polls, at least on election night, Susan R. Better Spectrum One 
said that climate was the number two issue overall for all voters, not just Democrats. So what's the delay with the good governor? Yeah, there's there's no denying climate is on the mind of many voters. The Bond Act, which was on the ballot, outperformed Hochul by over 15 points, which is just a testament to people who just want clean air, clean water and a livable, livable planet. Um, your, your guess is as good as mine. She should have signed this already. We have been outside of her office recently. We, we did a press conference um, not too long ago, really calling on her. You know, the election is over. There's no reason now for her not to sign this bill. Um, I mean, I expect her imminently to do it, but I hope that's not wishful thinking. You know, there there has been talk. There are ties to the crypto industry with the administration. You know, there's it's all up in the air. So she really needs to to put our doubts at ease and, and sign this thing um, sooner rather than later. Um, and if, if she's smart, she'll do it today or tomorrow. I, I worked a lot actually with Food and Water Watch on a far more progressive uh, climate bill than what became the CLCPA. Uh, the New York Off Fossil Fuels Act, which was a little bit more focused both on immediately shutting down and stopping all new fossil fuel plants, uh, but also had a much quicker timeline and moving to 100% clean renewable energy. And I was just reading an article, I believe in New York uh, Focus, and they were making the point that, you know, despite, you know, some medium-sized goals to build out renewable energy, the reality is, is that no, not much new Utility-scale renewable energy has come online since uh, the law has been, been passed. And the reality is that, you know, since Governor Pataki in 2002 set up you know, some fairly ambitious goals, especially for a Republican, on how to move renewable energy, you know, New York still's only added, you know, 5%. You know, how do we actually get these guys to build renewable energy, not talk about renewable energy? Yeah, that's a really important point. I think we're we're maybe just a little bit above five percent combined between solar and wind now, um, which has not really changed much in the last five years. Uh, and and the goals have only gotten more stringent uh, since the passage of the 2019 climate law. Um, this this is a great segue. I mean, I think we're at a point really. The private industry has failed us on transitioning to renewable energy. Corporate utilities have been jacking up rates to build out pipeline projects to, to inundate communities that are heavily hit by air pollution and by climate change with more fossil fuel infrastructure. Uh, I think the fact is we can't keep on relying on these corporate utilities the way we do. and We need the state to step up. And so there's been a push really over the past now two years um, to, to pass a very important bill to build public renewables act, uh, which would unleash NIPA. So this is the New York power authority. It's limited on how much renewable pro renewable siting it can do, how much renewable energy it can, can come out of it. If we unleash the New York power authority, this is an incredible resource. New York state has, uh, we can get to 75% renewable energy by 2030, um, and make the, the CLCPA goals incredibly achievable. Um, right now, uh, we we were able to pass it through the the Senate last session. Um, a big obstacle for the climate movement, not just on this, but a lot of climate bills, has been our Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty. But we have really key leaders, um, you know, Sarah Hanna Shrestha, who ran in Kingston, New Paltz, that Assembly District. She ran really strongly on this Build Public Renewables Act. 
won that primary, won that general election. We're going to have more leaders like her push that. But if we're going to move from that five or 6% mark up to a significant amount more, we need to get that bill passed. And this is not exactly a radical proposal because, in fact, Governor Cuomo four years ago had proposed uh, that the New York Power Authority begin developing renewable energy. But unfortunately, uh, the private solar and wind companies convinced the legislature to block what Cuomo had proposed because they wanted to, um, you know, maintain um, their their profits. So how, how do we convince uh, Speaker Hasty, who, you know, I, I've only been doing this 50 years. I don't know how many more years I got. But in the 50 years that I've been actively involved in the New York State Legislature, he is by far the worst speaker or head of the New York State Assembly on environmental issues. It used to be could always count on the um, speaker of the assembly to be the environmentalists among the, the, you know, the gang of three that made all the decisions. And that's not the case with uh, Carl Hasty. And then uh, Steve Inglebright, longtime chair of the environmental committee in the assembly. Yeah, you know, I like to see him a little bit stronger, but pretty good guy. Unfortunately, it looks like he may have lost his election. And the Senate chair of the Environmental Committee, uh, he decided not to run for re-election to the Senate after being trounced in a race for uh, district attorney down in Nassau County. So how, how do we change the leadership of the New York State Assembly and Senate on environmental issues? Well, you've, you brought up like kind of the local politics here. No more Engelbright, no more Kaminsky we'll see kind of what happens with those assignments as we go forward. Look, it's, this is, this is really the power of community organizing. Hasty has two constituencies, right? So he has the voters in his district that vote him into office, but then he, he is the assembly speaker. So he has his rank and file assembly members um, who functionally can move him. Um, And what we saw last year is we had, we had leaders that weren't stepping up to the plate. So I mentioned Sarah Hanna, her predecessor, uh, who's the current incumbent, about to leave in a month, Kevin Cahill, uh, was not was not pushing this bill, was not advocating. And, and that was kind of that kind of old guard, you know, status quo type leadership um, needs to go. So we have been really focusing on this primaries to make that an issue. Um, So in races where we won him, like Sarah Hanna, great. We're going to have now someone that can organize in the ranks with us uh, inside Albany to make sure that we can build enough pressure among rank and file assembly members to then move Carl Hasty to do the right thing. Um, And then those that that won but had close races or or saw this these these races happening, they they've got to pay attention and, and see this is where the wind's blowing and how the tides are turning. Um, no pun intended there, but um, they need to listen to constituents and then go go to Hasty and make sure that that he acts on this. It's an incredibly popular bill. It's got it got a ton of traction. It passed through the Senate. Uh, Governor Hochul has has suggested she's open to to getting this done. Um, so we really need Speaker Hasty to step up, and the way to do it is kind of through this rank and file organizing of of his assembly members. I'll just mention for local people, you know, a, a similar bill is to try to get uh, New York State to agree to uh, convert both the state capital and the Empire State Plaza to 100% renewable energy. You know, we, we fought four or five years ago to defeat Governor proposal 
to put some more frack gas turbines into the Sheridan Hollow neighborhood. That neighborhood has been basically been running a steam plant for more than a century in order to power the Capitol and now the Empire State Plaza. And, you know, after a century of pollution, they should get, you know, a much um, cleaner operation. But I know Food and Water Watch also, you know, engages in uh, a national advocacy. It's a national, you know, organization. And I kind of remember seeing you on Facebook or something being let out in handcuffs or something at Senator Schumer's office. What, 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 what do we need Senator Schumer to get better on? <laughs> uh, a lot. You know, he was really talking the talk uh, not too long ago on, on climate. You know, he went he biked with us during the climate can't wait week. He's he stood against fossil fuel power plants, but. Recently, um, as, as maybe some listeners know, uh, Senators Schumer and Senators Manchin uh, kind of came up with a backroom deal. It's been colloquially kind of coined the dirty deal or the dirty pipeline deal, um, which would fast track a ton of fossil fuel projects. I think it's something like 19 of them, 19 or 20, including the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which would go through West Virginia and Virginia. Um, it would also gut environmental review processes, making sure that, you know, there's less community input input, um, and less information being sent out um, around new fossil fuel projects that are being proposed. So it it was billed as some kind of, um, I think they, they, they called it like permitting reform. Um, But really it was, it was a handout written by the American Petroleum Institute given to Manchin and then some negotiation happened between Senators Manchin and Schumer. Um, they claimed that this is something they needed to do to get the Inflation Reduction Act passed. That has already passed. It's a done deal. President Biden assigned it. We don't need to give any handouts to the fossil fuel industry. So a, a lot of us, we had like close to 100 or so folks directly after we got this news really quickly mobilized outside of Senator Schumer's New York City office, about a dozen of us got inside, you know, made some noise, occupied the space there. Um, and yeah, we participated in civil disobedience to say we, we can't fast track fossil fuel projects. We can't gut our environmental review processes, can't throw black and brown communities under the bus. All this fossil fuel infrastructure has got to go. And that is is still creeping up. So we were able to stop it. There was an initial push to get this done, passed in some what what's must-pass budget legislation. Um, that was stopped uh, September 30th, but there is now kind of like a zombie. The stuff is coming up again. Um, Manchin still wants to get this through. Um, he's going again to try to, to stick it to some kind of must-pass legislation before the end of the year. Um, and, and we're simply going to have to organize and make sure that that our political leaders step up on this. Well, I, I believe Senator Manchin has quite a bit invested in, in coal himself. Uh, and as also there's a pipeline he's been trying to promote against Mountain Valley down in his 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 state. But, you know, one of the things I've been hearing a lot of the, uh, I don't know, Democratic liberals say, well, yeah, yeah, we don't really want the permit in to help fossil fuels. What we really need the permit in for 
is we got to speed up the transmission line because we're going to build all this new renewable energy. We got to get it, you know, to New York City and the other big electric users. And uh, everybody opposes us when we want to build new transmission lines. So how, how do you buy this concept? You know, oh, this permanent reform really is about transmission lines. I mean, if it was about transmission lines, they wouldn't be pushing for fossil fuel infrastructure. It's kind of like a sleight of hand trick, right? You say one thing and you do another. Um, that, that's what politicians' middle name is, isn't it? Sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Manchin is a is a real class act, uh, and hopefully, you know, we can get our senator in, in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, elected, so that we can kind of negate that vote with a fifty first Democrat. Um, but but this is yeah, look, this is a, a senator who's very tied to what, as you mentioned, the coal industry takes a ton of fossil fuel money, um, is in cahoots with the American Petroleum Institute. They're this is a really weak greenwashing attempt, but they're gonna do what they can to somehow squeeze in more pipeline infrastructure. You know, this is kind of the game of the fossil fuel industry is delay, you know, this transition as long as you can keep out building out investments and then reek it in when you raise rates through, through utilities. Um, so, you know, there is really no, it, it is a fossil fuel permitting bill. It is to make sure we can expand more fossil fuel infrastructure in the country. And we simply have to say no to that. Now, uh, you know, even with the Democrats holding on to the Senate, uh, you know, even before the only thing they could do was budget reconciliation, which only required 50 votes plus the vice president. Um, there's been a big push over the last year and a half to actually get Governor, uh, Governor President Biden to issue a series of executive orders. People can look at uh, climatepresident.org. Uh, is there a renewed pitch? Um, now it's clear that Congress is probably even more gridlocked than it was, you know, before the election. Yeah, I think really now more than ever, especially looking to 2024, we need Biden to step up in the plate. The ask is still the same here. He can declare a climate emergency today and really get a lot of the stuff done that we need to get done. So that's making sure we're not exporting more fossil fuels, making sure we're ending out the build out of fossil fuel projects throughout the country um, and, and banning fracking nationwide. That can happen with the stroke of his pen. Um, and we need to continue to renew that call and continue to build that pressure. Um, not only, you know, for our planet, yes. For our health, yes. Um, but we're seeing this time and time again, and you mentioned this earlier in the interview, climate is a huge issue for voters. And if we're going to take back power to an extent that we need to in 2024, we need to take this block seriously and make sure that they're heard and make sure that they're coming out to vote. Now, I'm at the age where almost everybody's beginning to look a whole lot younger than me. So I may overestimate your age, but, you know, most voters under the age of uh, 30, 35, overwhelmingly by 22 percentage points, you know, win for the Democrats. It's the only reason the Democrats even survived this election cycle. What do, what do young people want these days in terms of climate? I think maybe I'm I'm on the edge there, Mark. I'm okay. 31. Uh, but... But I, you know, I, I think really, really clearly the, the, the youth movement, you know, the, 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 the rise of sunrise, the, the more youth climate leaders coming in, not only in New York State, but everywhere else, 
it's never been more clear that this is the direction the Democratic Party has to go, that we really need to prioritize um, global warming, prioritize taking down the fossil fuel industry, um, not, not only as a, a political thing, but this is an existential point. This is our futures we're talking about. I think that's point blank. That needs to resonate. And to some extent, it has. You've seen the rise of kind of an emergent leftist movement among the youth. You know, a lot of a lot of this stemmed from Bernie's initial presidential run in 2016. But it's it's only grown. And and that is the direction, hopefully, if we're going to get power and save the planet, um, that is the direction the Democratic Party needs to go. So we only have about two minutes left. We've been talking with uh, Santosh uh, Nandavan. <laughs> he'll, he'll give a better pronunciation at the end. Um, you know, the Food and Water Watch used to bring thousands of people during the whole fight about fracking to the state capitol, annual state of the state address. You guys are infamous, famous for, you know, bird dog and the governor everywhere that he or she goes. Well, what do you have in store for us in the uh, coming year that we should be looking out for, even before then? Yeah, I mean, look, let's make sure, you know, let's turn our eyes to Georgia and the immediate future, right? So before the December 6th runoff, we have a chance to phone bank or write letters for that. If we can get a 51st Democratic senator, you know, we're, we're talking about Manchin's dirty deal, we can totally negate his vote. After that, you know, really turn our eyes back to New York. Um, two more important bills. I'm, I'm hopeful that Governor Hochul any day now will sign this cryptocurrency moratorium into law um, and that that will be done this year uh, coming up next year we're going to put a real emphasis have a real push on building electrification so getting the all electric buildings act into governor Hochul's executive budget is the real first step to make sure this gets done um, and then also make sure that that she prioritizes the build public renewables act um, so that's that's an upcoming Governor Hochul moment. Um, she normally gives a, a state of the state address in the beginning of January, where she'll lay out our priorities, what's going in our budget. We want to make sure those things are in there um, and expect to see us. We're going to continue to do kind of the, the the classic bird dogging and rallying we've always done. But we'll be, you know, doing these same kind of bus trips to Albany, doing big actions, lobbying in particular around the All Electric Buildings Act. Um, that's something New York really should have done this year. Uh, we need to get it done um, really quickly. Make sure that uh, we move our buildings off fossil fuels immediately. It is a huge part of our carbon footprint. Something like close to a third counts for a third of what we 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 get in carbon and methane emissions. And I I know that one of your colleagues, Alice Beecham, uh, has a letter to the editor or even an op-ed in the times union earlier this week if people want to check that out um santash get facebook page web page if people want more information totally yeah you can uh you know i don't have social media so this is a weird plug but you can check out the food and water watch new york facebook page there are updates constantly on actions up upcoming events uh, the best place to, if you're trying to get plugged in for the next event, next phone bank, next Canvas, um, is go to our, our Mobilize page. I think it's mobilize.us slash food and water dub. Worst comes to worst, just Google Mobilize Food and Water Watch. We'll okay. Well, thank you, Santosh. And this has been Mark Dunley 
for the Hudson Mohawk magazine.